Staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's supposed to be a peaceful protest at first, but they clashed with the Mexican law enforcement and they quickly uh, reverted to using violence to get past the Mexican police. It worries me that the border might get closed. We will not tolerate any form of assault or attack upon our border agents like happened yesterday or any attempt to destroy federal property, overrun federal authorities, or bring chaos and violence to American soil. I think the President Trump is sending a message that, you know, if, if, if this gets out of control, I'll shut the border down and maybe make Mexico, even though Mexico has done some, have assisted us by offering asylum to a few thousand of these people, maybe they'll patrol their southern border a little bit more, stop these caravans coming in. We say no human being is illegal in a world of strong land and colonization. Migration is a human right. Listen all in. We defend all sorts of borders. We defend our borders just a little bit, but now we defend our borders very strongly. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome to the program. Uh, you might be thinking to yourself, wow, um, what's happening down in our southern border? If you're watching CNN, it's just the beauty of people who want to live here, coming here and they have needs and they have wants and they have desires and they're coming and we've got to let them in. If you're watching any other news sources, then you know that it's mainly largely a group of men who, if, if you think about it for a second, men this organized, men who've been paid obviously by uh, American pro open borders groups to do, to make this trek. Everyone there has been compensated in some way, but there's, there's an element of we, we want to work in your country and we don't care about the means and mechanisms for doing that. We need jobs now. But what about the countries they're coming from? What about the billions of dollars in U.S. aid that we send to these countries to prevent them from doing exactly this? So there's, there's, there's a lot to be discussed there. We're going to delve into that. We're going to be speaking next segment with Sharika Soul. She's a celebrity and entertainment publicist, content cur- curator for Huffington Post. Um, Demetria says she's a new guest to the show, so we're going to be excited to speak with her about current events and news of the day. And then we're going to be just delving into uh, a little bit of polling and, and other things like that. So one thing that's happening I'm noticing is there's a bit of pessimism that's creeping in. Uh, people are feeling pessimistic because if you spend a lot of time watching news, it can have that effect on you. But our hope is in the Lord. So for today's Daily Confession... We're going to delve into um, how we can just, you can absorb the news and information. You have to. So this isn't at any, in any way to discourage anyone from looking at news and information. We have to be informed. But we also have to put it in the light of our information comes through the filter of our biblical worldview, knowing that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, and that in him, through him, we have eternal life and that this is our temporary situation. And so the joys and the ups and the downs, the, the sorrows, all of it are seen through that view, through that lens. So I want to go into, I just want to talk a little bit today about hope for our nation and how we can look in the book of Judges, Judges 2, 16 through 22, and we can see how God's providential hand played a role then and it still does to this day. Um, I've seen other writers, especially people who do a lot of teaching on the subject, refer to history. They put a dash in between his story. And the reason they do that is because 
they want to put it in the light of what we what we believe, what we know to be true is that God's providential hand is evident in everything that we see and that we, we aren't just a wealthy nation with all of these natural resources and gifted populace and, and this desire for almost every other person on the planet to live here and to be an American. That's not an accident. It's not an evolutionary thing. It is God's providential hand on this nation. Now, we have a role to play. We are supposed to, it is our biblical mandate to, as Christians, disciple other people into the faith. And so we see a lot of people, the practitioners of the false religion of Islam, they're very, very serious about recruiting people into their religion. Even though the religion doesn't offer anything in the way of comfort or peace or or any of the things that we find in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't have a comforter. You don't see a comforter in Islam, but they still recruit people in. They're very active in it. We, on the other hand, tend to well, it's, you know, it's a buffet. Come and come and partake if you want. We're supposed to be showing people what is the reason for the hope that lies within us. And the reason why, as bad as our political operations may get, we still have hope and we can still go forward and do our jobs well every day and, and, and raise our families and participate in, in our churches and our civic organizations. So in Judges 2, 16 through 22, it says, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worship them. Now, in our day and age, the other gods that we can prostitute ourselves to are obviously, you know, our cell phones, um, our devices, our tablets, our laptops, our computers, our televisions, our pursuit of success. None of those things are bad in and of themselves unless they become an obsession or something that we look to instead of looking to God first. It's that relationship that should be primary, and then everything else falls in an orderly fashion beneath that. So back to the scripture, it says, They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them, put a pin in it. Another god that we see being elevated right now in our culture is that the, we allow mentally ill people to actually dictate our policy, and we've allowed sexual freedom, as it were, I'm using a little quote finger, sexual freedom, to become something that people worship instead of worshiping the creator. They allow an obsession with themselves to become their identity, and then they press forward with that and force others or attempt to force others to bow down to that God as well and worship their sexual immorality as well. We see that happening. And it's, it's not happening outside of us. It's happening because we are not strong enough in our pushback, in our discipleship of others, and in our pushback in, in all of the areas where this is happening. Your local school board has probably already been approached by Planned Parenthood. They've already been asked to accept the secret programming for sexual education, which tells children how to have how to have sex, how to have the homosexual sex, how to do all of these things. It's not that they want kids to know that it's out there. They want to teach kids how to do it, and they're doing it with your tax dollars. Have you been to those school board meetings? Have you written a letter to the uh, the superintendent of your kid's school district? If your kids aren't in public school, have you still attended a meeting because your tax dollars are funding this? This is where we as Christians are not rising to the mandate that we've been given by God. So back to the scripture. 
So he, he, God was with the judge. He saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. And we see some of that happening now too. Uh, with the, the bakers and cake makers and all those people, flower arrangers, photographers, wedding people who have been driven out of business and have their lives destroyed by those who worship their own sexual immorality. And we've heard them groaning and crying, and the Lord has delivered many of them out of the hands of the wicked through the Supreme Court. But it shouldn't even get to that point. But when the judge died, the people returned to ways that were even more corrupt, following after other gods, serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and said, because this nation has violated the covenant I ordained for their ancestors and has not listened to me, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations Joshua left when he died. I will use them to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their ancestors did, which you know, the, the people then had war, constant war, because they needed to rely on God. And it seemed that the only way they could get that done and keep their eyes front was when they were at war and they had to seriously lean on their father in heaven to get them from this battle to the next battle and this conflict to the next conflict. So what does that mean for us? Well, first thing we need to do is determine what we can do to help our nation not lose God's blessing. And I, I posit, I know it's not a popular thing to say, but when we look around, there's always going to be nas- natural disasters, tornadoes, hurricanes, fires, things of that nature. But when we see them rising to a level like we've seen in California recently or the mass shootings that we've had happen, you can trace that back to ungodly decisions and judgment that falls on our nation because we have chosen to turn our backs on God. So you're listening to this radio show. You are more than likely a Christian. You have not turned your back on God. So you're thinking, well, what's going on here? Well, we receive the blessings and the judgment as a nation together as a nation. So when we are blessed and we have economic prosperity, we receive that as a nation. When we receive judgment, we receive that as a nation. So that means that those who are literally innocent also suffer under the hand of judgment because God God is not mocked and our nation is engaging in these sinful practices. And we do use our government to force people who disagree to fund things like abortion and uh, these aid dollars that go to these despots who oppress their people. And then those people in turn try to come to America and bring those backward cultures into our Christian uh, Judeo or Judeo Christian ethos that we have here in this society. These are not like loose balls rolling around on uh, one of those, um, you know, tables. These things are all interconnected and they work together. So there's a historical perspective of the pattern and it's pretty easy to see. It's over and over again. We're taught this in the Old Testament with the Israelites. The nation drifts from devotion to God and engages in sin, seeming to forget about him going off and doing their own thing. And then Judges 21, 25 says, in those days, there was no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The nation devotes themselves to false concepts of God. We see that with this whole spiritualism thing, the crystals, the little incense, the, the, you know, you name it, people are, uh, the universe feels this and that. That's all drifting away from God, getting false concepts of God, following animal lusts and instincts. And they, people stop making time for church. And we see that. I'm, I can't tell you how many times we've driven on our way to church on Sunday and seen probably half as many people who are at our church. And we go to an evangelical church with thousands of people. About half that many are on a soccer field. It's like 
through it's six soccer fields that are in this complex that are right off the highway that we drive to to get to church. And it's packed with people. They got lawn chairs and all that. And it's Sunday. Now, caveat, some of those people might have went to church on Saturday evening. Our church has Saturday evening services. Many do. Some may go to church on Sunday evenings. But the point is, how many do you really think are are sitting there because they've already been to church some other time over the weekend? People are prioritizing time with their newspaper, time at Starbucks, time to do whatever they feel like they want to do over going to church and putting the proper order in their lives, which is forsake not the gathering together of the saints. How many attend church in our time? Well, Barner Group shows that church attendance, it's steady for those who are core believers, but for large segments of our population, they've just kind of given up on it. How many are genuinely devout? How many go to church but don't actually pray, don't read their Bible, don't, aren't in a Bible study or small group? How many are sort of Christian, sort of worldly, meaning they have a tendency to do what they feel any given moment instead of having a concern for righteousness, holiness, and faithfulness in the name of God, faithfulness to the name of God? So I want, I want to close it out by saying, you know, the, I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting here in judgment. I'm just sharing what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart to for us as Christians, because we can't expect ungodly people to behave in a godly way. They're going to serve their master. But for us, those of us who do serve the risen King and do call upon his name regularly and are prayer warriors, we have to pray for revival and for more people in our culture to turn to Jesus Christ and to give their lives to him. But that doesn't happen by osmosis. After we pray that prayer, then we have to examine ourselves. Who is it in our lives that we know doesn't know Jesus Christ that we should share him with them. And it's not that you're sharing and then that person is immediately coming to the Lord. While that does happen, and it is so fantastic when it does, sometimes it's just sharing and inviting them to church and then going on with the friendship and letting the Holy Spirit do the work after that. But someone has to take the first step and do the sharing. So I'm encouraging you and encouraging myself, you know, we, we don't have to, we, we are not swayed or bowed or, or easily moved by bad news, the Southern border, whatever comes, we know that God is sovereign and he is in control, but we also have a responsibility and we are all called to disciple and call and, and to teach others about the way. And we have to do that if we want to see positive, substantial, long lasting, meaningful changes in our culture. That is the only way to do it. It's by telling others about the reason why you have the hope that lies within you. We'll be back with our guest this hour right after these messages. Here's American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan, two Texans, support and believe in our ministry here at AFA and AFR. We know more about the laundry business than anything else. We know a little bit about a lot of things, but we know a lot about the laundry and dry cleaning business. They created a laundry detergent to sell to folks to support AFA. We just want to be able to provide a product that can be used by AFA to support the ministry. When you wash your family's clothes with Redeem Clean Laundry Detergent, you can take great satisfaction in knowing that you're supporting the vital work of the American Family Association. It's a unique way to increase your giving to AFA. For clean laundry and support of a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Learn more about the Redeem Clean products when you visit redeemclean.afastore.net.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. A number of years ago, Karen and I went to visit my parents on Christmas Day. We almost didn't make it because of blizzard conditions on the way. The only thing that kept me from driving off the road was that I focused on a truck in front of me. I stayed behind this truck and I looked at its taillights. As long as I stayed behind the truck, although it was slow going, we were pretty safe. Many of us have learned that during hard times, it's important to have the right focus. Let me ask you a question. Who and what are you looking to during the storms of your life? In John chapter 12, Jesus is about to be crucified. Remember, Jesus is 100% God, but he's also 100% man. And I believe his humanity is crying out here in John chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. He said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Did you catch that? In other words, Jesus says, I don't want to do this, but it's necessary for me to go through with it. Then he prays, no matter how I feel, Father, glorify your name. The glory of God has to be our perspective. If we look at what we're going through and just focus on the pain, we'll give up or cave in. No, what anchors our souls should be the glory of God. Here's what I want you to remember today. There's no promise in the Bible that the Christian life is easy. We're all called to go through storms, and when it's your turn, remember to focus on His glory. More information about the ministry of Crawford Lorenz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. At Stacey on the Right on Twitter and Instagram. And also, you can head over to UrbanFamilyTalk.com and American Family Radio can be found at AFR.net. Those are our fantastic websites. And I encourage you to go over and subscribe so you get newsletters and you get full access and all that. And, and check out the content. Uh, we really love having you interact with us on social media. In spite of all the, you know, the, the, the tamping down that they do, no social media giant can stop the word of God from going out. They can clamp it down on Facebook, but we're still going to get it out there. We're still going to make uh, God's name known here in this, in this country, here at American Family. So right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Sharika Soul. She's a celebrity and entertainment publicist, content curator for Huffington Post. Sharika, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you. I actually am a former content creator for Huffington Post. Okay. Yeah, thank you. It's really nice to meet you. I'm happy. To it's meet nice you to meet there. you too. So let's let's talk news of the day, current events. It's we have a ton of news to to go over. There's never a dearth of news in in today's environment. Twenty four hour news cycle doesn't even seem to be enough to cover everything. And right, right. now we see uh, today was really interesting. Uh, there was a press briefing, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders was back behind the podium, and also they had uh, John Bolton. He was up there, and they they took questions from reporters, including Jim Acosta, who's back in the room, press pass restored, yeah, seated up at the front in CNN's row. Um, what's your take on? I'm I'm not sure if you were able to catch the press conference, but what's your take on on the media's continual obsession with um, the the murder of the 
I guess he's a guest columnist uh, and sometimes journalist here in the U.S., uh, Mr. Khashoggi. Khashoggi. Yeah. You know, I, from, you know, I'm always like in this weird tunnel, you know, Twitter is like, you know, whatever group you're, you're tweeting with or is retweeting that day, you kind of end up in this kind of echo, echo chamber. So sometimes it's hard for me to, you know, say this way or that way because I, I don't really know. But I do agree that this is the person that um, Saudi Arabia needs to kind of do an investigation and handle. I don't see why. Um, Americans, uh, specifically Democrats, are so upset and demanding some type of justice when we have Hillary Clinton, who, you know, facilitated this, this, this slavery and uh, the selling of, of people in Libya just mm. a few years ago. You know, yeah, nobody's yeah. outraged that people in Libya are literally being sold as slaves right now. Um, so I just don't, I don't get the full outrage and the demanding that um, we dominate other countries, um, et cetera, et cetera, in, in that sense you know, where it's being used to kind of defame the president and make him seem as he's a monster, tyrant, whatever. I just think it's a bunch of people who deep down inside wished that they would have ran for president and they're they're really just jealous of Trump and his family. I love it. I love it. So, Sharika, I have to say, I, you're you're kind of like we're in the same lane here because I don't understand the <laughs> obsession. It's not that I don't I, I feel terrible that he was murdered, especially it sounds like it was a horrible, you know, torturous death for him. But I don't understand right. why his death is so important that it's a national international news story as, and opposed to there's so many other things that are going on. And you 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 hit upon a bit of a touchstone there because you know what, Sharika, one of my one of my things about Hillary Clinton is that. She gets a pass for saying things about black people that no Republican can ever say. She said we need to be brought right. to heel, that we're natural born predators. She said that, you know, they all look alike. I know that was her attempt at a joke, but no Republican can make that joke. But the thing that's not right. a joke is her role. As you just mentioned, this is a huge story. Hillary Clinton actually made moves that facilitated and have and, and these seeds have now grown into illegal trafficking of human beings, what we know in our country as slavery that is happening right, right now. Like not, not, yeah. you know, CNN even did a. I was so shocked that they did an, a deep dive journalistic endeavor where they sent someone over there to talk to people. <laughs> kind of amazing that they did, but they did. So, you know, it's bad when CNN is calling it out and they didn't connect it to right. Hillary Clinton, but they showed the people in the camps and they said they would go and they thought they were going to work and instead they were, you know, enslaved and sometimes they'd stay right. for 2 years when they were only supposed to be there for 90 days working because they thought they were working off a of debt. Uh how do we get that to be something that more people care about? Cuz it I think it's important. It's nauseating hypocrisy. You know, they all flipped out last year when it was somebody leaked that, you know, Trump had made a comment about African countries. Um you know, I didn't feel anything about that comment because I, I, I'm from California. The entire state is a, you know, bleep hole, you know. And I think it's crazy hypocrisy to get so upset and so offended that somebody would offend, you know, an African country, but they say nothing about the, the mass slaughter of women that's going on in South Africa. There's like 63 women missing in, in a 30-day span being found murdered and raped. Um, and a lot of different African countries are experiencing what I would call extreme black supremacy. You know, people want to talk about white supremacy, but they, 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 they like to just kind of forget that the African countries' politicians are black. <laughs> and so it's not a white man oppressing those people. 
<laughs> their own people. And I just right. felt like it's very hypocritical, or, you know, hip, 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 hypocritical, I'm sorry. I'm right, sorry. right. Hypocritical to get so mad that somebody would call that country an asshole, but these people did not come together like they did for Stormy Daniels and demand that, you know, let's see what we can do for those people over there. Nobody's, nobody's saying anything about these people that are being slaved and women that are being slaughtered. But the Me Too movement, Lord, if a man looks at you the wrong way, lock him up, you know? <laughs> right. If he asks you on a date, yeah. sexual harassment, it's rape. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it is. I mean, I can't, I can't get it because on the one hand, you see women saying, well, there aren't enough men out there. There aren't enough available, viable men out there. You know, women with a laundry list as long as their arm of what a man has to be instead of realizing we're all a work in progress. And if you're in your 20s, honestly, how can you even have a list? It needs to be a man. He needs to be breathing and speaking English. <laughs> and then you're going to work with him and he's going to work with you. And you guys are going to set off on your journey to make an amazing life together. And usually right. if you meet, you know, someone who's in the same, if you're in college, another college person, if you're in the military, another military person, trade school, et cetera, whatever, you meet someone there who is, is kind and good and honest and of the same faith background that you are and you, and you love each other and you make that commitment mm -hmm. to be together no matter what, come anything, you're going to stay together then you're probably going to have a lot more success than saying, well, he needs to be this tall and he needs to have this many bank accounts and he needs to have this many degrees and he needs to, you know, th those men exist, but they Meanwhile, usually get they live snapped in grandma's house. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. Or the, or the mom's basement. I mean, you know, do you, you're going to, you're no man you're going to find is going to be a perfectly formed, completed specimen. Right. Those of us who've been married for over 20 years don't have a perfectly formed specimen that, that we can, oh, well, he's perfect now. I Look what I've done to him. No one gets there mm -hmm. while we're still here. So I, I, right. I think the women's movement has really derailed and it's gone off the, the, off the side to a place where it can't be impactful anymore for women who really needed it to be impactful. Mm -hmm. um, right. It's kind of fallen down on the job. And I, I so I'm, they completely, they completely denied children. You know what I mean? They took this Me Too thing that was meant to talk about a very sensitive thing and something that people go through that's devastating, and they turned it into a Hollywood red carpet spectacle. So children don't get voices. A lot of people that, you know, with the whole Time's Up thing, I saw that they'd raised like $5 million. I highly doubt, and I'm a Hollywood publicist. I'm not trying to talk so much crap, but I just highly doubt that there were people that saw those tweets and approached Alyssa Milano and, and whoever else, and she turned around and gave them some of those funds to help them with their legal situations. And, and that's why I can't take it serious. You know, sexual assault is a serious crime that often comes with, you know, having to buy, get a lawyer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it, it causes issues in your family to where you mm -hmm. have to move out, or if your child is sexually assaulted, it can, it can break the entire family apart, which leads the mother, you know, kind of needing help financially. And, and those, this, that movement and Time's Up are supposed to be for women like that. None of those women in Hollywood need help, you know, paying for a lawyer, you know, to go, sorry, I'm going to get off on a tangent, but yeah, it's, it's disgusting. It's totally forgot about children, and it totally does not care about men at all, as if men don't get sexually assaulted. And, and as if men aren't innocent until proven guilty, because we have right. a, a justice system flawed because it's run by humans, but it, we have effectively lowered the rates of rape and sexual assault through prosecution. And in areas where mm -hmm. these things aren't properly prosecuted and people are given wrist slaps, then you see a proliferation and increase in, in these types of crimes. But 
Uh, overall, right. American women, we enjoy much more safety than women in, say, Middle Eastern countries and even right. women now living in Germany and, and uh, Great Britain, because those women are experiencing the unintended consequences of the migratory patterns of Middle Easterners coming there and Middle Easterners who do not respect women and expect to see them uncovered. And they're they're literally raping just any any tr- children, women, you name it. And it's happening in Germany and Great Britain. And it's not being reported in the news. So I'm, I'm kind of like on one side or the other, Sharika. Either show me that you care by caring about all of the women and girls who are being raped and let's mm-hmm. give all of these women a voice or stop making this into a wedge issue that you can just use when it's time, you know, for elections to come around because you really it's don't care. It's a press tour for Alyssa Milano and her Hollywood friends who all their TV shows got canceled and now this is a press tour. You know, these, these women, um, they just attach themselves to everything, whether it was the David Hogg thing, and it was Stormy Daniels, mm-hmm. and it was Me Too. But she, what has she been through? I mean, not that she hasn't been through things, but this is not my, my voice, you know? This is not my, my spokeswoman. She, and I'm not saying she hasn't had her own struggles, but it, it's an insult to keep having a Hollywood act, actress be the voice of every single activism cause that has to do with anti-Trump. I think it's just disgusting, and I don't know why they keep allowing you know, they keep clapping for her as if she's saving the world. She's not. I don't, I don't know. I, th- I sometimes I think it's just because, and no offense, because I, I respect, I respect beauty. I respect beautiful people. Um, but I, I look for some substance behind it. And I just, I think it's because she's a pretty face and people really have this positive connotation of her from before when she was an actress. Right. But now that she's become political for me, it's like she ripped the pretty face off and she's showing me a liberal face. Uh, and I don't want to look at mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm just not interested in seeing yeah, it or hearing it. from it. Yeah, I don't need it. I don't I need any more liberals. Personally. Yeah, I, I, I met her when I, I'm an exorcist. I didn't mean to touch you up. I'm so sorry. I just wanted you to know that um, I used to resist. You know, I did that. I was, I was one of those black liberals that was like, I heard the word KKK and freaked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I stayed freaked <laughs> out for, for two years until I was able to see uh, myself through Twitter and just meeting people in my everyday life that voted for Trump. And then I realized that this person isn't even racist. You know, they, maybe they voted for Trump, but they're not being mean to me in the store. You know, I was able to go and pay for my gas. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just kind of came to the conclusion that the media was lying, CNN was lying, et cetera, et cetera. But I met Alyssa Milano and we used to work in these chat rooms together. And just from what I saw of her, she cares not for any of these people. This is literally just a new uh, set for her. This is her new TV set, her Twitter page. is a new TV set. And that's literally how she operates, and that's how she was operating in those chat rooms. And, she, yeah, <laughs> she's a pretty base, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, it, it scares me that people see politics as, you know, a, pretending to be an MLK as a means to survive instead of, wanting to actually do that to make the world a better place. You know? mm. Well, I mean, there's a lot we can do to uh, bring attention to issues. And, and the thing about M- Alyssa Milano and some of the others who have really kind of made themselves integral to the women's March and the women's uh, like me too movement is that they have these huge platforms. And so if they were used properly, you know, you know how it is, Sharika, you, you put a bright light on an issue that Americans aren't really paying attention to. And for that brief moment, Everyone's looking at it and saying, oh, I didn't know this was a problem. You know, maybe I should call my congressman or maybe I should call my senator. What what can I do to help? Maybe I should give some money to a GoFundMe or maybe I should find a women's shelter to support. 
But that's not what they did. They really tied it to Donald Trump, who admittedly, you know, and and he's he's had some interesting interactions with women, but he's not (laughs) he's he's not unique in that. Like he's for him to be the president. He's not unique at all, um, other than the fact that he's been married more than twice, because usually the the last Mm -hmm. president we had who had more than one marriage was um, was Reagan. And he'd been he was on his second marriage and Trump's on his third. But other than that, the the affairs, the dalliances, what have you, those things are all things that other presidents have engaged in as well. So as American people, we don't have to approve or disapprove of it to vote for that person. But the demonization of him really on that like on that front. I don't get it. How do you demonize Trump and not demonize Clinton and not demonize, right. you know, JFK? I mean, how, how do you like how do you just only demonize Trump for that behavior? But you were fine with it with those others. And that double standard is what is turning Americans off. I think it, it's what means it that, is. you know, Alyssa Milano is impactful and she has a huge platform, but she's only speaking to her own people because others who <laughs> would have listened to her, they tuned her out. Right. I mean, who's listening right. to her right now? No one. Wow. I mean, no one, you know, I mean, she's doing her thing. But I think in Melissa Milano's perfect world, she would have been offered a bigger platform. Like, some, you know, she's going for a medal or, or whatever she's doing right now. But I, I think that she and people like her underestimate the younger generation. The younger generation is wild. And they definitely understand manipulation. And they definitely understand that, you know, what is what. I mean, a lot of them hate Trump, granted that. But I, I think that it's very clear that we can all agree um, the Democrats have been promising for 152 years, 153 <laughs> in December, because that's when slavery ended, um, yeah. that they would be helping us and that we would have a better life and blah, blah, blah. Here we are. We never really needed them. No. You know? Because I mean, apparently a Republican can bring better lives to all Americans, including blacks, simply by, <laughs> you know, lowering the business tax and unleashing the economic engine, you know, and, and, and actually saying things like God is important to me or, Amen. you know, we should we should we should recognize our Christian roots. Donald Trump, for a man who has such a colorful history, has been one of the most clear speakers on Christian faith and, and Christianity and public life Amen. that we've we've had since I've been. A grown-up. I mean, it's really, it's it's outstanding. Sharika, thank you for joining us today. I hope to speak to you again soon. Um, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. I loved it, too. Sorry if I rambled. I love no, no. talking to you. I love hearing your voice. Fantastic. I, I, I'm telling I Demetrius, you, you got to come back. You got to come back. Thank you, Sharika Soul, celebrity and entertainment publicist. She's going to be back with us at another time. Stay there. We'll be right back. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. I think when I started, I had the same goals as everyone. I wanted to be the best coach that I could be. I never looked at my job as purely a football coach. As I started up the ladder and started interviewing for jobs, I think that was probably the buzzword about me. Well, he's not necessarily as focused in on football and winning as maybe some people would be. Um, His language, his demeanor is not what we're used to. Uh, But I wanted to show people that I could do it in that way and I could still be a Christian, honor the Lord, but be successful in what isn't really perceived as a Christian environment. New York Times bestselling author, Tony Dungy, author of the popular Uncommon book series. 
Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. Did you know Operation Christmas Child is not only about evangelism through a simple shoebox gift, but also about discipleship? Millions of children will receive shoebox gifts, and then many will have an opportunity to go through a 12-lesson discipleship course, The Greatest Journey. Operation Christmas Child is able to train teachers, provide all of the materials and a New Testament for only $6 per child. To learn more, go to SamaritansPurse.org OCC. That's SamaritansPurse.org OCC. Just as David's mighty man, Benaiah, chased down a lion into a pit on a snowy day. Lion Chasers champions uncommon men and women of faith who are unafraid to stand up and speak truth to power in these dark and evil days. Never before has there been such a need for people of faith to draw a line in the sand with a sword of truth. Lion Chasers, the intersection of faith and public policy with Lonnie Poindexter. Weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. The coin of the realm in the Senate is something called unanimous consent. The Senate is a body of equals. In other words, if all 100 senators, and I mean all 100 senators, agree to do something, you're golden. You can do anything. Pass bills, adopt amendments, start debate, end debate. In fact, the Senate does most of its business via unanimous consent. All it takes is one senator to object. 99 senators may want to do something, but if one senator objects, the gig is up. Republican Arizona Senator Jeff Flake recently went to the Senate floor and asked unanimous consent for the Senate to begin debate on a bill to protect special counsel Robert Mueller. There's concern the president may try to remove Mueller after he can former Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he doesn't think senators need to protect Mueller and there's no threat to Mueller. So when Flake made his request on the floor, McConnell objected. Boom. This simple objection didn't defeat the Mueller bill. It just blocked the Senate from even considering it. And that's why unanimous consent and an objection are such powerful tools in the Senate. With the Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Well, a lot of poverty on south of our sure. border, all the way down to Tierra del Fuego. There's two-thirds of a billion people living down there. A lot of them are poor, yes. desperately poor, all right. living in countries where there's no freedom at all and danger. So how do we regulate, regulate honestly in an American way acceptance of asylum seekers? How do we develop a, a profound, comprehensive immigration policy that we are proud of as Americans to enforce? Because at some point, there's going to have to be enforcement. Oh, wow. So you might be thinking to yourself, what did I just hear? Yes, I, th- I thought the same thing. What did I just hear? Well, that was Chris Matthews saying that enforcement is important. And I think one of the things that has backfired about this whole uh, this whole caravan up from the South is that the Democrats sowed these seeds, right? The timeline looks a little bit like this. You got the Democrats sowing the seeds by telling high school kids across the country, teaching in curriculum that America is a horrible racist place. And the only way we can not be racist is to accept people from other countries willy-nilly into this country, basically eliminate our sovereignty and our border because America's not special. It's not exceptional, but people just really want to live here. I know it's contradictory, but hang with me. So after teaching that to so many millions of K through 12 kids and those kids going on to college and having those backward ideas reinforced by their Marxist, liberal, leftist uh, professors, then you see these kids coming out and participating in things like the open borders movement, where, you know, uh, you've got Mark Zuckerberg as a proponent of it. And so are the people that are down in South America right now, uh, 
recruiting these people to join together in caravans. And yes, they're funded by not just George Soros, but um, Venezuela through Russia and China. A lot of international players have a valid vested interest in seeing America reduced to a third world country through mass immigration. And it's a great way to defeat us. They can't they can't storm the gates because there's a blade. There's a there's six guns behind every blade of grass here in this country. We have uh, 600 million guns in this country and lots of well-trained, eager users. Come on. They're not doing that. We have military might, but our military might could be overtaken by certain mechanisms that exist in this world today. We're not invincible, but there's just a combination of factors that are going on. So how would you destroy America? Well, you could bring in a lot of people from a third world country or 10 third world countries. And if those people become the majority of this country and then the, the eager beaver gun owners, Bible thumpers, you know, Christians, Bible study attendees would be outnumbered. And, and even those who aren't Christians but still believe in the Constitution and still have a really strong American ethic, they also would be outnumbered. And then you have them voting in these hardcore leftists like Nancy Pelosi, who is really at this stage in her career as a Congress critter. She's a useful idiot because she's the reason why we have uh, uh, Alexandria Cortez. And I'm pausing here because I just I just saw a clip of her this morning saying that we need to take over the three branches of government, the presidency and the Senate, the three branches of government, the presidency and the House of Representatives, oh, no, and the three houses of the, the three parts of the, the, the Congress, three parts of Congress. In other words, she thinks our, the three branches of, of our government that we have, which are the legislative, executive, and um, judicial, those are our three branches of government. She thinks all three of those branches are in Congress, and she also thinks that – so you just take over the presidency and you take over Congress, and then you have control again. Now, people who support her will say, oh, you're just, you're just capitalizing on her gaffes. Yeah, but the gaffes are numerous. See, anybody can have a slip of the tongue or make a mistake. I'm a professional talker. I mean – it, it happens to the best of us. But we're talking about a woman who was just elected to make $170,000 a year representing a district uh, in New York, and she doesn't know the very basics about our government. So she has a college education. I dare say I know at least 10 homeschool kids who I could call or text or email right now who could come on this program and do 20 solid minutes on the Constitution without fail. I'm talking about high schoolers with no media experience whatsoever that I could put a microphone in their face and they could explain to you in detail what our three branches of government are, how they interact with each other, how they're constitutionally mandated and why, and they could do it in 20 minutes. She could not do that. So it's kind of amazing. It's just amazing when we see what the Democrats have, they're, they're basically reaping what they've sown. And so the, the, the situation at the Southern border with the women and the children in diapers and flip-flops running around. But most of the people, it, you can't hide the fact that 80% of the people who are there are men, young, healthy men. And they've not said they want asylum. They want to come into this country to work. They're hurling rocks. They're hurling bottles. And when they got tear gassed, that's the least of what could happen. Barack Obama tear gassed them every month that he was the president. He had... Over 70 of these types of interactions at the southern border, and the Democrats never cared. The issue they have now is no matter what they do, they can show that doctored photo of the girl 
uh, the woman and her two kids and they're running. And then behind them, you can see people standing in front of cameras posing for more pictures. They can doctor that photo. They can clamp it down on Facebook. They can act as if it's not real. But Americans are getting a full taste of what is going on down there and how this isn't about immigration or asylum. This isn't about poor people yearning to be free. It's about a group of people who feel they have every right to be in this country, whether we want them there or not. And my question is, if someone knocks on your door and says, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I need help, are you more likely to help them if they, if that's what happens or if they bang a couple of rocks up against your door, bur- bur- burst through it, break your door in, and start raiding your refrigerator and beating everybody in your family up, which of those two situations is going to make you more likely to help them? And the overarching question is, why are they knocking on your door? Out of all the doors in your neighborhood, why did they stop at your house to knock on the door to ask you for help? There's nothing wrong with helping people. I'm sure that most people would say, well, let, let me get you a blanket. Let me get you some shoes. You know, one of, out of one of our closets here, let's, let's get you something to eat and let's call a shelter or let's, you know, let's see what we can do for you. I don't think there's many people listening to me right now who would want to help. But it, is it your responsibility to then, after you've helped that family, to help 500 more families behind them? We're talking about 500 people, 500 people be, that are threatened to be deported by the government of Mexico for engaging in that melee on Sunday. 5,000 people who are currently camped out in Tijuana saying they want to come here. Another seven to 14,000 people gathering together, basically willing to make the trek because if it works for these people, then they're going to come on through as well. Why is it our responsibility? It's not about us having the money or being able to do. We're already sending USAID to these countries. Why do we have to take the people in as well? That, and, and so I just, I'm so tired of people saying, well, you just don't care. No, actually, I care a lot. I care a lot about the people in this country. I care a lot about the veterans who are not able to get the services that they need. We're leaving them behind. We're, we're literally saying, you know what? Sign here on this piece of paper promise to support and defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic and promise to do it for this really i mean you know it's kind of a pittance what enlisted uh, service members are paid promise to do it for the term of your enlistment and if you get killed if you get your leg blown off these are the benefits that we'll offer you but you're basically saying i'm your asset use me i'm a tool in your box use me and so we have just hundreds of thousands of americans who signed up to do that job and then they go overseas and they leave a piece of themselves behind. Some of them don't come back at all. They, they come back, but they're draped in a, in a flag, in a casket at the back of a C-130. And their families never see them alive again to say goodbye. They come back here and they're getting here either in the back of that C-130 or they're coming back. Some of them are whole, but they're mentally diminished because they have PTSD. And some of them are coming back where they're, they, they left with two arms and two legs and they're coming back with less than that. And we're saying to them, well, now you're mentally ill, you're mentally compromised, you have PTSD, you have this, you have that. And so, you know, here's some TRICARE, beat it. Here, you know, you, you need to figure out how to deal with your PTSD. They're ending up homeless. You know, huge portion, I think it's 40% of all the homeless people in this country are military veterans. What are we doing about that? No offense to those who come from Honduras, but that's your country. Fix it. You, it's your job to fix your country. If you're a young, able-bodied man, you get together with a whole bunch of those others and hurl some rocks at some of those drug dealers and drug overlords and, and get some, some things done in your own country. Stop acting as if we have a responsibility to take care of you and to fix what's going on in your country. So now I want to listen to, and by the way, 
this is the last segment. We'll take some calls. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, you can give a call. Love to chat to you. Um, happy Tuesday. Let's listen to Fox Business's Charles Payne. Um, it, he's, he's a friend. I, I really enjoy going on his program. And here he is talking about how it's despicable for the parents to bring children to the border amidst the kind of chaos that's there. And it's their fault that they're getting tear gas. It's number one. Well, how much responsibility, A.B., does the the parents have who have been warned throughout this entire trek that they would not be allowed in here to bring your kids to that border fence as others are throwing rocks and hurling other objects, knowing that a confrontation is imminent, to bring your kids in the midst midst of that seems to me to be despicable. Well, we'll see what happens, though, if it's a larger group, because there are thousands in Tijuana, and if it's a larger group... We probably will need the military if they're going to be throwing rocks and, and, and bum-rushing the, 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 the facilities. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough one. We all know. But um, it's, it's one that I think could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. And I know there's somebody out there, some, someone who's going to tweet or something. Well, the thing is, um, they're running from bad circumstances. So are billions of other people in this planet. There are plenty of people who are running from horrible circumstances. I dare say we could go to the inner city right now. I could take this cell phone and I could drive down to the inner city of St. Louis and I could show you some people who are desperate to leave their horrible situation that they're living in in the city of St. Louis. Do they have a right to live at your house? Do they have a right to immigrate and be asylumed into your home environment? your warm, cozy environment? I think not. They don't have a right to do that because it is up to them to change their circumstances. And there are organizations here in this country to help. And there are organizations in Honduras to help. And we have got to stop being everyone's, not only the police. I, I agree with Rand Paul on this idea that we've, we've stretched ourselves so thin, we're policing every corner. We need to stop doing that. But we also need to stop being responsible by sending this USAID. When we send the USA, the implication is, well, we're sending money to help you because you can't help yourself. That is, first of all, wrong on its face. Second of all, the implication is that if we're sending money, we must also be responsible in other ways. Have you not seen that before? Um, If you go out of your way to do something for someone and they then expect you to do more things. Some people are truly grateful and they they don't expect anything else. But it's a part of human nature to kind of say, oh, thanks for doing that. By the way, I could also use your help with this. So am I saying we shouldn't help anyone? No, we're the most generous nation on the face of the planet. But this isn't working out for us. And it's not working out for the Democrats either. They've overplayed their hand. A new poll out shows that 7 in 10 Mexicans have a negative view of migrant families arriving to their country. This new poll is by El Universal, a Mexican newspaper, and it found that a majority of Mexicans have a negative view of the migrant caravan marching through their country. Thousands of members of the caravan are currently camping out in Tijuana, Mexico, as they attempt to cross the southern U.S. border or claim asylum. Mexicans have expressed displeasure that the migrants are settling into their home cities and towns. Now, the El Universal poll was reported by NBC News, and it found that 7 in 10 Mexicans have a negative view of the arrival of migrant families. Further, 52% support blocking migrants from entering the country without documentation. 55% of Mexicans think President-elect Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador should be tougher on future caravans. In October, just 6 in 10 Mexicans had a negative view. Now, I think it's interesting that they say just 6 in 10. 
just six in 10 kind of belies the fact that that is a huge majority. Like that's a number that liberals would use to say that you need to oust a president. You need to do this. You need to do that because, you know, clearly that's that's more than just half. And that brings me back to I just mentioned it briefly, but I want to give you the stats on it. You you've got this double standard in the media about the president allowing the use of force, which it's not really that he's allowing it. The president is simply he said we need to defend the border. The laws already exist that permit U.S. border enforcement agents, the Border Patrol, to use tear gas and other lethal aspects. Which, by the way, tear gas is not lethal. You know, it's not, it's just one component of defending the border. Five years ago to the day, almost, Border Patrol agents used pepper spray to force back a crowd of migrants who tried to illegally cross the border. Only back then it was President Obama, so nobody cared. The group had also thrown rocks and bottles at agents. The Obama administration's use of force didn't get any coverage by the media. They did not care when Obama dealt with migrants in this way. The San Diego Tribune reported on this five years ago that a group of about 100 people stormed the border near San Ysidro Port of Entry, throwing rocks and bottles. They responded by throwing pepper spray. The incident occurred about a quarter mile west of San Ysidro border crossing in the Tijuana River Channel. No one was seriously injured. No shots were fired and no arrests were made. This information was given to the San Diego Tribune by Mary Beth Caston, who was a Border Patrol spokeswoman at the time. The group first approached a lone agent, a single agent, stationed about an eighth of a mile north of the border. He said stop. He fired pepper balls to try to stop them. They threw rocks and bottles at him and kept advancing, and he used intermediate use of force devices to press the group back. So do we care or not? I'm I'm fine with you caring or not caring, but don't have the double standard. I just can't handle it. It's too much for me on a Tuesday in November. All right. Good evening from the heartland. If you're sticking with us, glad to have you. One News Now News and Information is up next. Keep it here.